coming from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. And if you have a handout, so Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Devils, demon possession, and unclean spirits. And they came over onto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God, that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about two thousand and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And he was coming to the ship. He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Thank you, Jesse. And thank you, Miss Alice, for playing that beautiful music again. It's very much appreciated. And welcome, everybody, today. It's another beautiful day in the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Today we're going to look at a lesson from the book of Mark, chapter 5. This passage of scripture deals with devils, demonic possession, unclean spirits, and also how Jesus is Lord over all, including the demonic world. There are two parallel passages, also in Matthew and in Luke, that discuss this. So we're going to look at a few verses from those other two passages, not completely. We don't have enough time here today on this Sunday, but we will look at those other passages in the context that certain verses add additional information to the lesson that we're studying. So let's pray. Father, thank you for another beautiful day. It's such a wonderful, gorgeous day outside. The world is pretty today, but it's still cursed, and we look forward to the day one day when we will be with you in heaven in the absolute perfection of your glory. And Father, that you would bless the message that we have, guard and guide my tongue, forgive the sin in my life that your word is not hindered, that you would protect your word in the spirit world, that there would be no demonic forces here that might even steal your word today as we look at these certain passages. Father, that you would bless each one of the saints that are here today in the event that somebody here is not saved, that today would be their day of salvation. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for our sins. Holy Spirit, for being with us and guiding us and loving us. And God, that you would bless us, each one of us that are here today. In your name we ask this, Jesus. Amen. We're going to be looking at four points briefly today. The first point is going to be called spiritual uncleanness ruins the body, and kills the soul. The second point is going to be Jesus Christ is absolute Lord over his creation, and he conquers all demonic power. The third point will be natural man will always reject God's goodness and God's holiness. And the fourth point today, true converts will desire to serve our Savior to win souls for his kingdom. So let's look at that first point today. Spiritual uncleanness ruins the body and kills the soul. Today we're going to be looking at 
several verses of scripture that focus primarily on one demoniac of the area called Gadara. Now there are actually two men that are mentioned that are possessed in one of the gospels, but the passage we're going to look at today focuses on one of those two men. And the Bible gives us testimonies from different perspectives of the gospel writers. This morning in the juniors class we discussed, let's say we went to a basketball game and somebody was sitting right on the front row and there were two other people that were sitting up in the stands in the farthest spot away from the game. The person right in front of the game, let's say their brother was playing in that game and it was a home game and they were very much rooting for it. And those other two people that are up in the stands, they're more worried about their popcorn and hot dogs and the food and they're playing video games. Now, if you ask those three people to tell you what was going on in that game, the person with the front row seat whose brother was playing in the game, they would give you a much different description of the game than the two boys that are up in the corner playing video games and eating popcorn. So we have different perspectives from different writers. What we're gonna focus in on today is the book of Mark chapter five. And they came over onto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. We're gonna be looking also at the country of the Gadarenes, the town of Gadara, and another little town called Gergisa. So let's think of Campbell County. We're right outside of Campbell County. And Rustburg is the county seat of the county of Campbell County. And I live in a little town called Evington. So the county, it's county-wide, Campbell County-wide. Rustburg is the main city in Campbell County. And then there's this little town called Evington. So the country of Gadara is Campbell County. Gadara is Rustburg. And this little town called Gergisa, that would be Evington. These two demoniacs are from this little town called Gergisa. Gergisa is right next to the Sea of Galilee. The first note here is Gadara is the main city of the Gadarenes Hill Country. Gergisa is a small town near the Sea of Galilee in the Gadarenes. And then there's a third idea. Decapolis was a group of 10 cities on the eastern frontier of the Roman Empire. Decapolis means 10, Deca. There's 10 towns and cities that kind of wrap themselves on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. One of these 10 towns is Gadara. Matthew 8.28 gives us more information. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce so that no man might pass by that way. These two men were demonically possessed. From our perspective, they would be considered a little bit crazy, perhaps a lot crazy. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be around those type of people. You never know what they're going to do. These two people, they come up to Jesus and they confront him immediately after he gets off the boat. Mark 4:41 sets the table. What had happened on the boat when Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee? They were crossing at nighttime and a terrible storm came up and Jesus was asleep in the boat if you remember the story and the boat was filling up to the point where it was ready to capsize with water and the apostles were very afraid they thought they were going to die and they woke up Jesus imagine he was sleeping while this terrible storm was going on and they wake him up and say don't you know we're about to die and Jesus speaks a word and calms the seas. And great fear came over the apostles, the fear of God. And they said, who is this that even nature obeys him? Now, we don't know what was going on in the spirit world. In the physical world, there was a terrible storm. But perhaps Satan knew that Jesus was being led by the Holy Spirit over to this Gadarene country to confront those demons that were in this possessed man. Mark 5, 2. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. So now we're shifting our focus from these two men, and God is zeroing in on one person. God knows who's about to be saved. 
God knows the day of salvation of every person who's alive. And this man is about to be cast out of all those demons. And he's going to come into his right mind. And he's going to be saved today. Luke 8.27 And he went forth to land. There met him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time. And he wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. So now we have some new additional information about this man. First off, he had devils a long time. We don't know anything about him physically. We don't know if he was tall, short, fat, skinny, if he was a Gentile, if he was a Jew, if he was rich or poor. We don't even know how old he was. But the Bible says he had demons for a long time. And it's multiple devils. And he wore no clothes. That speaks to Hollywood and entertainment and fashions. The more ungodly they get, the more clothes they throw away. And this man was demon-possessed, and he was wearing no clothes. Neither abode in any house. This man, as we learn from the scriptures, he had a family, he had friends, and he had a house. But he wasn't with any of them. See, demonic control will separate you from the love of your family. And it will isolate you. And you become overcome with these depressive feelings. And this man was so depressed and so overcome, he was living in tombs. Here in Virginia, we have cemeteries. And people get, they die, they're embalmed, they're put in a casket. The casket is buried six foot under. And we come and we put flowers on Memorial Day and other certain days to commemorate the person who's in that grave. In the Middle East, it was totally different. What they would do is they would carve holes or they would find caves in the rocks. And some of those rooms were quite large. And they would bury one person and that person would decay. And they would use that same cave for the next family member and the next family member. So they were visiting those caves frequently, but nobody would ever live there because this is a place for the dead. This demoniac man was living in those tombs. And think about what a depressed condition this man was in. Acts 26, 18. What does God do with us? To open our eyes and to turn us from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that we may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in Christ. That's what God is willing to do for any one of us, even this demonic possessed man who had literally a legion of demons in him. Colossians chapter 1 verses 12 and 13, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We are made meet, we're made appropriate, we're made acceptable to be partakers of everlasting life. This verse teaches us that all of us before salvation were in darkness, but God delivers us from this darkness and we are translated that means we're made new. We're a new creature in Christ when we come into the light of God. Mark 5, verse 3. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. This man was living in the tombs, and this verse adds that he was of great strength. And it says no man could bind him, no, not with chains. How many of us in this room would have the strength to rip off a chain that was on them? Proverbs 21.16, this explains this man's condition. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. This man was not in the congregation of the understanding. He was outside that. When we are saved, we are part of the congregation of understanding. Understanding of God's word. Understanding of the relationship that is required between God and a child. This man was without. He was outside the camp of the living. And it says he was 
remained in the congregation of the dead. Not only was he physically walking in the tombs of the dead, spiritually, he was walking in the dead. He was a dead spirit. In the spirit world, he was dead. We have just noticed that this man was extremely strong. Let's look at an example from the Old Testament. The Assyrian army came to attack Israel. And God sent one angel at nighttime. And this one angel, during the night, wasn't even a 24-hour period, he slaughtered 185,000 of these strong Assyrian soldiers. Let's look at this verse, 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred, fourscore, and five thousand. A score is twenty, so fourscore is eighty. A hundred and fourscore and five is a hundred and eighty-five thousand men. And when they arose early in the morning, when the Israelites arose in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. So if one angel can do that kind of destruction, imagine if you had a legion of angels, how much destruction that they could do. Mark 5, 4. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. This man was ferocious, fearful, and strong, People did not want to be near him. Luke chapter 8, 29 adds more detail. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. That's Jesus. The setting here is Jesus is looking at this demon-possessed man and he's calling the demon out. For oftentimes it had caught him. This is the demon, speaking of the demon. It had caught this man. And he was kept bound with chains and fetters. So demon-possessed people, they are not crazy 24-7. They seem to oscillate, to vary between being in a normal condition and then going into a demonic possession. During the times when he was more docile, that's when the men caught him and put chains about him. But when the demonic possession advanced and appeared, he would break free. He would just cast aside those chains like they were nothing. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25 and 26. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. 2 Timothy is teaching us we can escape demonic oppression by turning to God. And it says, if God, peradventure, will give them repentance. This Bible verse teaches us that the choice for salvation is not ours. It's if God will give the individual repentance. That verse that we've talked about previously, godly sorrow works repentance to salvation. And that sorrow comes from God. It's up to God to touch us in our mind and our heart, to give us a godly sorrow that works the repentance. And this verse is saying, if God will give that, and then to acknowledge the truth. In order to be saved, we have to acknowledge the truth of the Bible. And in essence, it says we're all sinners. The penalty for sin is death. But Jesus died on the cross and has offered us this free gift of salvation. But it's incumbent upon us to receive this gift of eternal life. Mark chapter 5, verse 5. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. People that are demonically possessed or under demonic oppression will oftentimes hurt themselves. And this man's pain was manifested by his cutting himself. I go and visit and preach and teach the Bible to the kids in jail. Oftentimes when I sit down with them, I will see on their forearms they have cuts. Those kids aren't necessarily demon-possessed, but they're certainly under a wicked oppression. 
And what they're doing, in my opinion, it's a cry for help. They want somebody to acknowledge what is going on in their life. And Jesus is the answer for what they require. They need Jesus in their life. They need to be saved. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 18, 27 and 28. This is one of the Bible verses that deal with demonically oppressed and possessed people that cut themselves. The setting here is Elijah. And it hasn't rained for many years. And everything is dry. Elijah says, well, let's build a bonfire. Let's stack up the wood and pour all of this precious water over it and see whose God will light this fire. There was a wicked witch at this time called Jezebel. And she had 400 priests that were worshiping Asheroth. And there were another 450 priests that were worshiping Baal. So there was a total of 850 priests there, all ungodly, all satanic. Elijah says, well, why don't you call your God to prove he is God by lighting this fire? And of course, God, the real God, Jehovah God, wasn't about to let that light. Let's read here. Let's pick up in 1 Kings. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a God, little g God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he is on a journey or peradventure he sleeps and must be awakened. So Elijah is mocking these 850 priests. He says, maybe your God's sleeping. You need to wake him up. And then it says, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancelets till the blood gushed out upon them. These men were calling upon their God and they were hurting themselves. Jesus will never ask us to do that. He loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He died for us. Amen. All the religions of the world require man to die for the religion. We don't have a religion. We have a true faith. And our God died for us. You see the difference? It's very important to understand that. These prophets were religious and they were cutting themselves because they thought that that would get the attention of their God. Second point, Jesus Christ is absolute Lord over his creation and he is conquering all demonic activity. He can and one day he will at the judgment seats. Mark 5, 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. This is the demoniac. When he sees Jesus coming off that ship, still far away, he runs up to Jesus, and do you notice it says he worships him? We're probably thinking, how can somebody who is a demonically possessed person worship? But he isn't worshiping in spirit and in truth, as we would, as a Christian child of God, because he doesn't have a personal relationship with God. Let's look at Psalm 72.9, because this sheds a little bit of light. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. At the judgment seat, it says, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. This man is demon-possessed, and those demons, they come up to Jesus, and they bow before him. Even though they don't acknowledge him as God and their king, he is their God and king. Romans 5, 8. For they that are of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. This demon-possessed man was in the flesh. He only can mind the things of the flesh. See, he has not been born again. He has not been renewed in his mind and his spirit. So he only can come up and bow down before God in the flesh. He cannot worship him yet in spirit and in truth. Mark 5, 7. Here's the demoniac speaking. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. We pick up some valuable information in this verse. 
This man says, what have I to do with you, Jesus? At this point, nothing. Because the spirit is enmity with the flesh. Enmity means it's at war. There is no darkness that is compatible with the light of God. God is light and in him is no darkness. So when the light of God shines on something, the darkness, which represents evil, flees. It runs away. We also see that this demoniac calls Jesus the Most High God, capital G. Now, he's not calling him Jehovah, Jireh, Savior, Provider. If you look at the Greek word for this, it's Theos. But Theos in Greek means supreme divinity. This demon-possessed man, speaking with the demon, acknowledges that Jesus is the most high God. All of those false gods, all of those demon gods, they're small gods compared to the one true God, Jehovah. Matthew 8.29 provides some more information. And behold, they cried out, multiple, they cried out, saying, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us? Before the time? You see where they add before the time? There is a judgment day. And these demons know that one day they will be banished into the lake of fire. But they know the Bible. They know there's been no rapture. They know there's no 1,000 year reign. So they're saying to Jesus, did you come to send us into the abyss before our time? Well, the answer is yes, as we're going to find out. Luke 8.28 when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God Most High? I beseech thee, torment me not. So we see the same verse discussed with different perspectives, different witnesses, different testimonies in the three Gospels. Here in Luke, he's saying, I beseech thee, I'm asking thee, torment me not. Mark 5.8, this is Jesus speaking. But he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. How does God have the authority to command a demon? Or in this case, a legion of demons. Well, let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him, this is Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities, or powers. All things were created by him and for him. That pretty much covers everything. Everything was made by Jesus, and why were they made for Jesus? For his enjoyment, for his glory, for his honor. Even heaven and hell are made for his glory and his honor. The Christians that are in heaven today and the lost souls that are in hell today, it's all for Jesus' glory and honor. Let's look at Mark chapter 5, verse 9. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Legion is a term that the Roman army used to define a group of men. Like a squadron, for example, or the centurion. He was in command of a hundred men. A legion was 6,000 soldiers. That's a lot of soldiers. That's a large grouping. And this demon says, my name is Legion. He's speaking for possibly 6,000 demons. That is a lot of demonic power centralized in one man. Luke 8.30. And Jesus asked him, saying, what is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. So this verse adds that these demons were inside this man's body. Demons are spirits, and that shows that a spirit can dwell a human body. Well, the Bible teaches us that once we're saved, our body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost. And once you're saved, you can never be demonically possessed, because greater is he, the Holy Spirit, that is in us, than he, the devil, that is in the world. Praise God for that. Now, we can still be tempted, and we can be put under demonic oppression, 
but we can never be demonically possessed. Mark chapter 5, verse 10. And he besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. Now the demon called Legion is asking Jesus not to send him out of the country. Luke 8.31 adds additional information. And they, this is speaking of the legion of demons, these thousands of demons, they besought Jesus that he would not command them to go into the deep. So Jesus is the one who commands the demons and they have to listen. Now do you see that word deep? In Greek, that word deep means abusos. It means depthless. It has no bottom. And it means the infernal, the abyss, the bottomless pit. These demons are saying to Jesus, they besought him not to command them to go into the bottomless pit. That's very interesting, isn't it? Yes. Let's look at Matthew 25, 41. Because lost people will go into the abyss, the bottomless pit. But God never intended for human beings, because we're made in the image of God, to go into hell or the lake of fire. Let's look at Matthew 25, verse 41. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The setting for this verse is the judgment seat, and Jesus is separating the wheat from the chaff, the sheep from the goats. And God prepared the everlasting fire for the devil, the angels that fell, the demons, not for humans. But we will still go there if we're not saved. And God is telling us that in this verse. Mark chapter 5, verse 11. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. So now we see Jesus gets out of the boat. There are these cliffs. And then there's the mountain. And on this mountainside, there are swine. There's pigs that are feeding. Matthew 8.30 says, And there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. They're in the distance up on the hillside. We don't know if this area was owned by Jews or Gentiles. The Jews were not supposed to be around pigs. They were not supposed to own pigs. They weren't supposed to eat pigs. They weren't supposed to make money from pigs. Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 8 teaches us, And the swine, because it divideth the hoof, yet cheweth not the cud, it is unclean unto you. You shall not eat of their flesh, nor touch their dead carcass. We don't know if this area, which probably had both Jews and Gentiles living there, if these pigs were owned by the Gentiles or by the Jews. Mark chapter 5, verse 12. And all the devils besought Jesus, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. God's commanded that they need to leave this man. Jesus is going to save him. Now, these demons have to go somewhere. And they ask Jesus, let us go into that unclean swine. Demons, they're unclean. In the spirit world, they represent everything that's unclean. And they want to go into the physical world, something that represents things that are unclean, these swine. Luke 8.32 And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought Jesus that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. That means Jesus said, yes, you can go into those swine. Mark 5.13 And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits, do you see where these demons are also called unclean spirits? And they're called devils? And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000. Do you see that? There were 2,000 pigs that the demons entered into. Now, we don't know if there was one demon for each swine, for each pig, or if there were three. Let's say there were 6,000 demons. That means there would be on average three for each pig. There were so many demons in this man. Do you see God can save anyone? He can save anyone. It doesn't matter how far into sin you are. 
God can save you. We probably would never find a person who was farther away from the Lord than a man with 2,000 demons or a legion worth of demons. And yet God controls the demonic power and he can cast it from anybody who's demonically possessed. Let's go down to Revelation chapter 9, verse 2. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. This verse teaches us that hell, the bottomless pit, is in the center of the earth. Now you say, well, why is it bottomless? I heard somebody do the analysis. If you look at the physics of it, the way the earth spins on its axis, and in free fall, you fall something like 200 some feet per second. Once you hit the spot of the center of the earth, the gravity makes you feel like you're still falling, although you're already in hell. It's the bottomless pit. This man is freed of the demons, and these demons want to go into the swine, but they run over the cliff, and that's a picture of those swine dying. It's also a picture of Jesus sending those demons into the bottomless pit. They're saying, are you going to torment us before our time? And Jesus says, no, not before your time. Your time is right now. And he sends them into the deep. He sends them into the abyss, the bottomless pit. All right, point number three. Natural man will always reject God's goodness and holiness. Mark 5, 14. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. These keepers of the swine, they're afraid. So they go back to the town and also all the country quickly hears of what happened. And these people are amazed. Matthew 8.33 adds additional light. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the cities and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. Mark 5.15 And they came to Jesus, and to see him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. These people recognized there was great power. There was no way they could control this man who was demonically possessed. And now they see him in his right mind, his correct mind. And I believe he's saved because we will find out he wants to serve the Lord later on. But these town people, when they came and they saw this man in his right mind clothed, they were afraid. Look at Psalm 34, 4, the bottom verse on page 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. These people are not seeking the Lord. They came to see what happened to the demon-possessed man, but as we're going to see, they asked the presence of God to leave. Let's look at the top of page 5. John 16, verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and he shall show you things to come. This is the Holy Spirit, the capital S Spirit of Truth. He will guide you into all truth. Those demons were unclean spirits, and they were leading this demonic possessed man and everybody out in the world today that's following the ways of the world. They are being led by unclean spirits. But the Holy Spirit is the truth. And he will lead you into all truth. If you want to know what the true truth is, read the Bible. It's there. It's God's love letter to us. And we should read God's love letter every day. Mark chapter 5 verse 16. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. So all of these people come up to see the demon-possessed man who's now made normal in his right mind. The swine herders tell everything that happened. So now they have first-hand witnesses, testimonies, 
that they're listening to. Luke 8.13 sheds a little more light. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Well, the means of his healing was Jesus, the power of God casting out those demons. So all of these people who came to see the man are confronted with the truth that the Holy Spirit is giving them. Everybody during their lifetime is confronted with the truth. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The truth brings you to a decision point. Will you receive the truth and be converted? Or will you reject the truth and live your life in sin? And these people, they're choosing to reject the truth, as we will see. John 14, 11 teaches us, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the very works sake. Jesus is telling here the leaders of the Jews, the scribes and the Pharisees, if you don't believe me for what I say, look at my works. Believe me for my works. This verse says, believe me for the very works sake. Now these people who came up on the side of the mountain to see Jesus, they saw a great work. They could look over the cliff and they could see 2,000 swine carcasses floating in the water. Something great happened there. They can see this demoniac possessed man that they all knew, and perhaps they even were the ones who tied him down, is now free. He's spiritually free. And they have to make a decision. Will they follow Jesus for his great works, or will they reject Jesus as their God and Savior? Point number four, true converts will seek to serve our Savior and win souls for his kingdom. That's why it seems like this demoniac was truly saved, that God didn't just cast the demons out and for them to return at another day and to make his life even worse, because he wants to serve the Lord. Mark 5.18, And when he was coming to the ship, this is Jesus, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He wanted to be with Jesus. Do you know when you're saved, you want a fellowship with God? Do you want to spend time with God? It's a reflection of the closeness of your relationship. When we're friends with somebody that we don't see for many years, we don't have much of a relationship. When we're living in our house with our family, our children, our spouses, our parents, our grandparents, we have close relationships. This man was just saved. And he wants to be close to Jesus. Now, Jesus has a duty for all of us as Christians. And now he's going to tell what he wants this man who was saved to do with the remainder of his life. This man wants to follow Jesus. But Jesus says, you know what? I have a different path for you. I have rewards waiting for you, heaven. Now listen to what I will teach you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says... For we are his workmanship. That means once we're saved, we're God's workmanship, a new creation in Christ, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. See, when you're lost, you're in darkness. You cannot do any good works. It's impossible for a bad tree to bring forth good fruit. Remember, we went through that several months ago. And it's impossible for a good tree to bring forth bad fruit. Now this man is saved, and it says, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that he should walk in them. Now this man has a new path. He's no longer on the crooked path of sin. He's on the straight path of righteousness. And God says, this is a preordained path. It's already written down by God before the creation of time that you walk this path to win souls. You walk this path to honor God. You walk this path because you love me. Mark chapter 5 verse 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. He said, no, please don't follow me in the boat as I go back. But he said unto him, go home to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion to you. This man had a home. He said, don't follow me. 
I have another duty, another job, another commission for you. You go back home and you tell your friends what has happened. You have the greatest testimony to share because they all know what you used to be. Now tell them how you were converted, how you became a child of God. Share your testimonies and win souls for the kingdom. Mark chapter 12, verse 31 and 32. How could these two verses answer how this man could witness to his family? First of all, we're supposed to love the Lord with all our heart. And then we're supposed to love our fellow man as we love ourselves. And we're going to look at these verses. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So Jesus is saying, go back and witness to your family. Love on them. Share the gospel, the good news. There's nothing better that you can do for them or to serve me in the kingdom. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Now sometimes when we witness to people, they know us and they know how bad we might have been. So God says there's a way to witness. Sometimes it's not the best thing to hit somebody over the head with the Bible. This verse, Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every man. Salt preserves and it seasons. And sometimes we just need to hold back on our testimony and witness and pray to the Lord to open the door at the right time. And he will. And sometimes he wants you to seed the ground with prayer for months and sometimes years. Mark chapter 5 verse 20. This is talking about the man who was previously possessed. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Do you notice it says he began to publish in Decapolis? Not just in Gadara. Decapolis was a huge country. It was 10 different cities. And when you look on the map, it covers a large geographic area. This man became a missionary. He didn't stop at just telling his mom and his dad and his brothers and sisters and grandpa and grandma. He went to these 10 cities of Decapolis. And it says, began to publish how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Perhaps his reputation preceded him. When you have a man that's possessed by thousands of demons, I don't think just the local neighborhood knew. I think they knew miles and miles away that there was this man over near Gadara. Please stay away. And now this man says, yes, it's me. And I have some good news to share with you. Luke 8.39. This adds a little bit more information. This is Jesus talking to this man. Return to your own house and show how great things God has done unto you. And he went his way, so he obeyed. He went his way and published throughout the whole city. So first he goes back to his family and then he talks in the whole city. How great things Jesus had done unto him. This man is an example for us. Now you go, how can I be similar to a demonic controlled man? Because he's saved. If you're a Christian in this room today, he's going to be in heaven with us. And his testimony is that he told and shared the good news gospel, not just with his family, not just in the local community, but he went all the way into all the towns these 10 towns of Decapolis. What a wonderful testimony. Jesus can use anybody. This is proof. How is he going to use you this week? That's the question. How is Jesus going to use you and me too this week? Let's look at the last verse for today. This is Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. This is Paul speaking. For do I now persuade men or God? Who am I trying to convince here? You or God? 
Or do I speak to please men? No, Paul wasn't speaking to please men. He was speaking to please God. And he goes on to say, For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. See, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve the spirit world of Jesus and the world of lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You have to choose. And Paul said, I'm choosing God. I'm going to serve God. I am a servant of the Most High. And he was a doulos. Doulos in Greek means slave. He was tied up so much with God, he wasn't just a servant, he was a slave of the Lord. We need to become that kind of a mindset. We need to look for opportunities to serve Christ today. Perhaps it's when you go back to your room and you have a prayer list of people that you know have needs. Not just spiritual, it might be emotional or physical or sometimes even financial. But we have many, many ways we can attack the demonic world, the gates of hell, which will not prevail against us through prayer and calling upon the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our life. What a wonderful passage of scripture. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. It's so beautiful. And Lord, it's such a blessing when we study your word. And Lord, I was really blessed this week putting together this message. I just want to say I love you, God, and that you saved me, and that I don't have to go into the abyss, the bottomless pit. And yet, I know people in my family, the people that I work with, even people that I go and visit in the jail, many of those men, they're not saved. The fields are white unto harvest, Lord, and yet your word says the workers are few. And Lord, that each one of us in this room today would have a special unction this week to serve you, to share the word of God. And Lord, our desire for the year 2018 is for many, many souls to come into the kingdom. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus, thank you for being the propitiation for the wrath due our sin. And Holy Spirit, for protecting us in the spirit world. And Father, we just want to say we love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, you're all one God, the true God. We love you. Amen. Thank you are dismissed. Thank you.